I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I would castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. No? Did you not yeah. think that was good? It was beautiful. I thought I did pretty well with it. I felt much more in myself in that line reading. Than you did during our wedding vows. Than I did during my wedding vows. When I was, was I still sobbing during the vows? I think the hysteria had perhaps subsided, but you're still doing that thing where you're <gasps> catching your breath. It wasn't a moving moment. It was either comedic or disturbing for people. <laughs> All right, I'm going to need the command pod so much to talk about. And we will start with our, with our brain dumps. First things first, Adrian Brody as Josh. Fabulous. And we'll get on to his motivations and the character And of exactly how many layers he was wearing. Well, this is what I wanted to mention. So when they went out on that walk... Do you know how many? Well, I was counting. So, so I counted a T-shirt yeah. over which was a work shirt. Yeah. Over the top of that was a black and orange Scarf or maybe a blue a and orange scarf. Black, a, a blue hoodie. You no, know, then there was a hoodie scarf. on top of that, and and then there was what we would call a body warmer that I think you would call a vest on on top of yeah. that, and then the hat. It was many many layers, such great layers. And it was the more you looked at it, the more layers revealed themselves. It was I, like looking almost... at the night sky and seeing more and more stars. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was wonderful. I counted five at some point. Can I just throw some rabbit pellets at you in advance? Please do. Can we have a rabbit cam? Remy has a swagger that mm. Colin lacks. And I think that ultimately makes Colin look like the bigger professional. Because Remy looks like a bruiser. He's more of a henchman. He's more of a henchman. I, I would not like a henchman. I know what you would want. Yeah. A very tall woman. What, like a Brienne of Tarth? Yeah, Game you'd want Thrones. a Brienne of Tarth. Because you're much more <laughs> comfortable. There's just this ease that you tend to have with women that you lack with men. I would like to move from my pellets to my big D's. Okay. You're from big D, I can guess, uh. by the way you draw and the way you dress. That's a fun song. You should tell people about that at some point. <laughs> when in the conference call. I hate a conference call. But have you ever seen such a brilliant conference call oh, your whole entire so, life? But aren't they just the worst things to be on, though? The rhythm of them. Yeah, well, there, there ain't no rhythm. So in this conference call... And Kendall addresses Shiv. He's like, hi, Siobhan. And he he addresses with her the memo that she put out. And he says, you know, I don't... Basically, there's no coming back from that. Like, our relationship is forever damaged because of this thing that you've done. 
I would like to put forth the opinion that that fundamentally upset her. Because as we see as the episodes unfolds, like, there's no unconditional love from her dad. No. You know, he'll he'll do so much that's so cruel to her. And in these ways, her brothers won't. And here she is sort of betraying or upsetting the people that do ultimately care for her more. Mm. In the scene, the wonderful scene between Logan and Greg... <laughs> Was that the comedic high spot of the episode? And, and there were many big laughs and many great lines in this episode, but was that, that the I think comedic so. high I spot? I think that was the, the comedic peak. I feel that Logan was seeing something in Greg. I thought he had a soft spot for him. That's I, what I, I think thought. so. I think like when, he, when, when Greg goes in there, Logan plays it like he's the great and powerful Oz. Yes. When Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Light Lion go in. But but even though Greg is shaking like they all are, he, he still has the Dorothy in him to, to stand there and sort of say what he wants. Also, mm. how much do I want to taste the rum that's poured in Logan's apartment? Do you think it pains Logan at all to see Coca-Cola added yes, to that rum? Yes, of course. <laughs> Let's put some Coca-Cola in whatever that 200 dollar bottle of rum is i just put food in my mouth I know. because if there is a character that i am and i realize that more and more with every episode it's carl carl's eating when shiv came into the office <laughs> was that was the other great that to me that was the other yeah. great comedic moment yeah it was and like watching it was like watching you it was like it was like looking in a mirror exactly that Oh, and just uh, and just one other thing. We're always like paying attention to what's on the screens in the background. The only one I noticed this week on the uh, on the bottom of the ATN screen was Times Square smells worse than ever, according to study. <laughs> Fantastic. We should tell them who our guest is going to be on this episode. We are talking to comedian and actor Sindhu V. Like us, she is a succession head. She gives good guest as well as any human I've ever encountered in my life. And I don't know if I should mention this or not. It's very exciting. Oh, I think we should try talking about it. All right. Big news from our camp this week. Yeah, big news. And and before I tell you the news, I can't overemphasize how unlike the, the sort of thing that would usually happen to us that this is. I think you're, I think that's not you owning it quite enough, if I may be honest with you. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to say what it is. It, it, but it, it gives the impression that we move in slightly different circles than we do. Now, I will admit that this is more likely to happen in our social circle than it is the social circle of, say, my cousin Stephen, who used to work in the butcher's department in Tesco's mm-hmm. until, until uh, there was an incident. But this this isn't an everyday occurrence for us by any stretch of the imagination. No, but first of all, it's built up way higher than it needs to be. All right, Saturday night, just gone. We go to a birthday party. I very rarely leave the house. It is one of the few birthday parties in the world that I would actually show yeah, up to. Yeah, you, you, and in fact, I think because if any of our friends are listening to this, you pretty much won't go to birthday parties and you say to people, I really love you and you're, this is, you're important to me, but my social anxiety means I can't do birthday parties, so let me take you out to dinner. So you never yeah. go to birthday parties. There's maybe three people in the world that I would go to, to their birthday party. They're that dear to me, right? This person moves in the same orbit as some of the creators and writers behind Succession. We walk into the party. Who is there? Jesse Armstrong? Yep. 
almost like they put him right in front of the door. He was the first person I saw when I walked into this party. I was, that's Jesse Armstrong. So I didn't. You told me because I was so overwhelmed by being at a party. I didn't even notice him at first when I walked in. And, and Jesse is there with his number two, who we've all seen on the, the credits every week, Tony Roche. Who, it turns out, is very, very tall. And long story short, Jesse Armstrong and Tony Roche both had an awareness of the podcast. They brought it up. And I got to talk about Succession with both of them. What does it feel like to be at the centre of a global obsession that smart people with taste, like us, are obsessed by? I simultaneously think he knows exactly how good it is and is so consumed by making the next series of the show, isn't out mixing with people that much. He's in a bubble. I think he's in a in a bubble in the best possible way. Uh-huh. And th- there was something I feel quite lovely and humble about the the way he reacted to hearing somebody talk about it. And I didn't I, I, I didn't go full fan on him. Oh no, no, no. You're too classy for that, darling. Mm. Not like me following Courtney Love into a bathroom. <laughs> I think it's possible that he clocked me as the crazy woman staring at him the whole night. I couldn't take my eyes off him. I couldn't catch your eye. So I was really worried that you'd be angry at me for not introducing you oh, no, or no, bringing no. you into the conversation. I I couldn't it um the reason I didn't make a point of trying to catch your eye or be like, when do I get invited over? Is I thought that so, it just felt so tacky. It felt like, oh, if he said, I hear you're doing a podcast, then for you to be like, here's my wife, who is also, like, he knows you're legit, but he wouldn't know that I'm legit. So I just felt like... You never know. He might have seen uh, Lisa yeah. Tarbuck's Game Night on Channel 5. You were very good on that. I was pretty funny on that. <laughs> um, so I just, it, as he I might said, have seen that infomercial for Wood Varnish that you, that you were in. All of my most impactful moments. Mm. And what feels weird is, like, I don't even know if it's, it's right to talk about on the podcast. On one hand, it feels like a slight cheapening of the social interaction. But then I also think people would be yeah. really interested to know about it. So your friend Chris and I were stood shoulder to shoulder watching you talk to Jesse and Tony. And Chris just kept looking at Jesse Armstrong being like, he knows. (laughs) He's the one who knows. And it's this thing. And I sound so pretentious, sort of like jizzing over writers. But to look at the people who come up with this shit and be like, it's all just shit in your head, man, is so overwhelming. And I thought I would be weird. But anyway, it was um, it was just a, a, a treat to get to talk to them. It was an honour for you. It, it was, was an and it, it just felt really exciting that they even knew this podcast existed. All right, so that's our, our little uh, update from our social life. As ever, we would love to hear from you. Lots to talk about on this week's episode, which we're about to do now, um, and we would love your theories, queries, observations, the email address. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. <laughs> So are we on the island now? Yeah, we're going to structure this on the island, off the island. Okay. Island time, island mainland time. time. Mainland time. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed the kind of dick measuring competition with the helicopters and the jets and who got which helicopter and who got on first. Did you notice as well this sort of the, the near identical but not identical dressing of Kendall and Logan? Oh, no. Tell me more. So they're so in, both they're, in baseball caps. But, but it's not just they're both in baseball caps. They're in the same cap. Rich person baseball cap. RPBC. And then they're both monochrome. 
Mm. But Kendall is doing sort of a brown. Also, what I noticed, objectify the actors, Kendall's got quite a tush on him. Oh, really? He's got like this little He's tush. got junk in his trunk. He's got junk in his trunk and it was on display in his outfit today. You better move that ass up. I don't know what that song is, but I've heard you singing it around the house. If I like to singing. sing it to my son. <laughs> um, girl, you look good. Better back that ass up. You were fine. Fi- I don't think this sounds great. Um, so, so he's in a monochrome, monochrome brown, mm-hmm. and Logan is in sort of a monochrome. It was either like a dark, 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 dark navy or a, 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 a soft, black, a soft yeah. black. And then, of course, Adrian Brody's layers. Do you think he's got poor circulation? No. But it's really hard to get right. You can make yourself look very chunky. This is the thing. I don't want to look like George Costanza in this big winter coat. No, neither do I want that for you. Oh, and before we get into what Josh was up to, I loved the way that both Kendall and Logan used children as the the social lubricant before the business chat. Because though these men aren't all the yes. worst fathers yeah. who have ever lived. As we see with Rabbit Cam. Yes, yes. Oh <laughs> like that's Kendall God. trying to be a good dad and doing such a terrible, terrible oh, job of it. Oh, it was just grotesque. Also, that was like the biggest rabbit I've ever seen. And you've also, seen a lot of big rabbits. I, I had a rabbit that died. What was it called? Spunky. What happened to Spunky? A cat ate him. I found him one morning as a 12-year-old in like five different pieces. Can you imagine... No. Yeah, that explains all my stuff. Just kidding. It's my parents' fault. <laughs> um, but anyway, and then the other moment was when they were sort of at the outdoor lunch with the oysters. And Logan says, oh, I've got a wife at home. And this sort of, I found that so interesting because this sort of posing from Logan as a family man couldn't quite decide what I thought that was. Was it showing that you're a family man is giving Josh a bit of what he wants? And and then we're on to the question. What was Josh doing? Was he, he basically this is, yes, this was is it the... was he basically seeing if you put Logan and Kendall in a space together, if they can cooperate? And if he'd have thought yeah, actually, they can, they can, they can work stuff out, and they they can get on with each other for the sake of the greater good, which in this case is his investment. Then they can be trusted to keep control of the company. If they can't, then I'm out. Was that basically the test that Josh was doing? Well, this is what I'm curious. Was it that, or was this just a guy? Because it's very unclear to us. It's not. It doesn't seem sort of relevant to the story where his wealth is from. This is no, but it seems like somebody who maybe, like, say, for example, start had a startup that then sold for a billion or something. Because he, he refers to it being like that. You, you think I'm a dipshit who had a lucky night at the yeah, casino. Yeah. So thinking about Stewie, for example, in comparison to someone like this, Josh. They felt like very different characters and the way that Logan behaved around them was sort of quite different. But what's interesting is Stewie is more controlled. He's he's just Stewie's respectful. Stewie's also more straightforward. But he's straightforward. He's respectful of Logan. But then this this guy kind of not being quite as respectful of him and making him dance like King Kong. Yes. Actually, it unnerves Logan and... And has the effect of making him kind of a bit grovelly or subservient to, you know, the Logan version of that, which isn't very extreme right. by normal standards. Well, this, this is what I couldn't figure out is was was this guy, Josh, was there real purpose to what he wanted to surmise about their the father-son relationship? And then the walk was that it's interesting given that that was all orchestrated. He wanted them to get lost. At first, I thought, oh, he he's he's doing this on purpose to mess with them. And then there was a point at which he was on the phone to his staff, where it genuinely felt like he was this rich man who bought an island who didn't know the way around the island. And then another question I had is that let's say 
the near the health scare heat stroke hadn't happened. So we have this moment where Logan says he's a good boy. Did that do the job? With Josh. Yeah. So in that moment, had they all just had a normal walk back, would things have ended differently? So I was unsure if that speech was entirely for Josh or if it was in part for Kendall. I think it was in part for Kendall. Mm. Do you think there was anything sincere about it? No, because Logan always covers his back with conditionals. There's a lot of, well, uh, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. But, 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 you know, as evidenced, I don't remember if it was season one or two, but when everything fell apart for Kendall, there was some scene where basically Logan said to someone, make sure my boy is okay. In other words, with the knowledge that his son could kill himself. Yeah, I I, I don't think that's what we saw here, though. It's Logan doing what Logan does, which is if he needs something from his kids. He almost tells them what they need to hear. But do you, I know, but do you not think that some part of him did actually believe what he was saying? Well, that's a good question with Logan generally, isn't it? Yeah, I think he did a little bit. When we see that walk and Logan is starting to get breathless and we think he's going to have a heart attack, oh which my is God. one of the most anxiety it producing. It felt like it was filmed um, like a horror film. Yeah, it was It was really unpleasant. Do you think that in that moment, when, when Logan should just, just have asked for a cart, do you think Kendall didn't ask for assistance because he was more afraid of his dad yelling at him for making him look weak than than he was of his dad dying. Yes. And that's not that he's not afraid of his dad dying. I think this is what's interesting. It's like, in a way, wouldn't he would would Logan dying be sort of a positive, you yeah. know? But but it isn't. And I think he is very afraid of his dad dying. In fact, he's he's so scared in the moment though of what, what his dad yelling at him would be or what the repercussion of making his dad look weak would be. He he, he can't even really focus on the possibility that his dad Yes, I think that feels too unreal. Yeah. But getting screamed at feels very real. And I think in that, you know, what they are there to do is to preserve the well-being of the company. And that the thing that will be the most detrimental to that is Logan showing weakness. Logan should have known that a walk was a bad idea. He could have made some bearish dismissive comment about going for a walk, being for pussies. Or- this is what I thought was so interesting. Like, mm. do you remember the scene, end of episode, uh, uh, final episode, season two, where Logan and Kendall go to meet Stewie for that dinner and Stewie's smelling the lavender. And Logan sits down and he goes, here's how this goes. And don't, this is a good deal. And then Stewie just says no. And I felt like that was Logan in the world that he knows. And it went very badly for him. But it was him in a world that he knows. Whereas this kind of, we're going to schmooze, we're going to, we're doing a walk, we're, let me see the dynamic. It's like, it sort of, I felt like it was showing us that there's, that the world is moving on. But I'm not sure that Kendall's saying that his 40th birthday party is going to be a fucking nervous breakdown party. That's that's not the way to do it it either. either. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was the Josh show. Josh was the king. Mm. Two things that we didn't address in the arrival at Josh's house. So you got your wish. You got to see Logan and Kendall back together again. They made you wait for it, but there they were. I mean, the way those actors played those silences. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It was, it was just the most, it, it was so hard to understand that it was acting. Kendall hugging his dad felt like every hug I've ever attempted to give oh my dad. God. <laughs> it's There's very a... painful to watch. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, no, thinking, there's nothing on his part. 
No. It's something that's done to him. Yes, it was something that's done to him. I also thought, you know, so much of what we saw from Kendall, he does not understand how he's perceived. So he has some conversation early on in the episode with Frank, where he's like, oh, this is how Josh sees me. This is this is what it is. And it's like, nope, that's not what he says behind your back. And Kendall just, he doesn't know how he's thought of or what his relationships really are. Then at the end of the episode, telling Roman, this is what happened. And Roman's going, nope, because we just got off the phone with him and he's going with Stewie and Sandy. He just, he do- he has no people skills. He can't read people. Of any kind. Mm. And I know we're not transitioning to off the island yet, but I, but neither can Shiv. While we're still on the island, how did you do with seeing some people eating on a beach with no shade? Direct sun exposure is one of my nightmares. I hate it. Um, I felt fine for Kendall because I felt his back was to the sun, but Adrian was (laughs) facing straight into it. But I also didn't like the wind. That was my. I was thinking less about the sun. If I'm you're thinking about the sand and the food. I'm thinking the wind. The wind. The wind. Well, I don't need convincing, as you know. I'm not not a fan of a beach. No, but you love to look at water. I love to look at the beach. I just don't like to be on it. No, but you would have loved to have been walked to that thing and then set up and served. That's very your thing. Yes, it is. (laughs) I won't lie. We could transition off the island by just talking about that moment in the private jet with Logan. We see him amusing Kerry. Kerry's moving forward a couple of places on the chessboard and and he is amusing her by muting his end of the phone and, and letting her listen yeah, to the president ranting. felt very strange. You don't think that... He doesn't seem the type who, who would have a thing with a that person. that much younger. Or just, just that power dynamic with a PA, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't right. feel like his thing, but... It, it That interaction and them giggling together felt very singular. We'll have to watch that. Keep an eye on that one. All right. Shall we get back on the mainland? Let's We've had enough island to, time. Well, we're going back to the other island. Manhattan. The other island. Should we start with Shiv? Yes. So Logan gives her three jobs and she screws up two out of the three of them, possibly even all three from, from what I can see. It's just the third. We don't know for sure. He, he tells her to kind of give... Frank and Carl a bit of a kick up the bum with the negotiations with Stewie and Sandy. Deal with Connor, who's becoming a squeaky wheel, and sort out this situation at ATN where they're going to just uh, turn turn on the president a little bit to turn up the political heat. The the Carl and the Frank thing goes wrong. The Connor thing. It showed that that connor he does have enough emotional intelligence to figure out how to hurt somebody Mm. there were moments when he was less of a clown than he usually is so when he says like you know what this is like this is like when you were a little girl and you got to pretend like you had some sort of agency over the mail and you think that's got a sting because she knows it's right the host this this raven head Yes. Um, who we did see in a previous series. He's the one that was like a Nazi scandal. <laughs> Hadn't he named his, his dog, dog after is Hitler's named, dog? Yeah, and yeah, he'd yeah, yeah. gone on holiday to, or maybe maybe got married at Hitler's <laughs> former retreat or something. <laughs> Remember Thompson, Tom sitting down and asking him if he'd read Mein Kampf. Have yeah, you yeah, ever yeah, read yeah, Mein yeah, Kampf? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, at the moment, it seems like he's capitulated, but whether that's going to be a game of whack a mole and that's going to pop up somewhere else. Who knows? But is is it proving to us that Shiv isn't up to the job? Yes, I think it's it's proving to us that Shiv does not know how to talk to people. Mm. That Shiv cannot finesse. Because if you were that guy, Shiv's right. You're not going to go and work at White Pride FM for thirty million dollars a year. So yeah, you yeah, swallow yeah. it, but you you put it on your list. 
Yes, but she, you know, she just she it was it was as unlikable as we've ever seen her. Mm. I thought. Mm. Whereas with Roman, we see him doing what he's told by Jerry. Yeah, so he puts in all this effort. He has this sort of dark and twisted idea. It basically Jerry says no to him, but she does it in this way that's like we're in this together. We're a team. And that means so much to him that all this effort is not stuff that he feels has been wasted, but rather mommy's, you know, sexy mommy's being nice. And I feel that sort of our final scene with Roman shows this real contented smile on his face. Do you think that she is suppressing the tattoo man picture to protect Roman because he hadn't thought it through enough to know that he would be as tainted by it almost as Kendall? Or do you think it's because she knows that to survive the shareholder vote and survive as CEO, she needs to keep the family's powder dry as much as she can. Both, right? Mm. You know, she's sort of proving that she's the most level-headed, I think. Yes. Who do you think this Laurie is then that she's going on a date with? Do you think we're going to see him? Do you know that we see him? In a no, I don't, I don't know. No, just that uh, I thought was it, if some, they've gone to the lengths of giving somebody a name, mm. it makes me think we're probably going to see them. Yes. I think, counterintuitively, Laurie will be there to bring Roman and Jerry closer together. It's being mean to keep him keen for Roman. I'm not saying that that's what she, that's even her intention. I'm just saying that knowing that she's dating will make him keen. That doesn't turn Roman off. That turns Roman on. Aside from the moment where we saw Carl eating, another moment that really reminded me of you in this episode was Roman without his socks on in Jerry's office. Oh, yeah. Fiddling with his feet. Yeah, I like to fiddle with my feet. Remember once we were on a flight and like your feet were out? Your le- <laughs> you went to the toilet in your knickers. I did once go to the toilet in my knickers. I can't sleep with clothes on. It's a problem that I have. It's not sexual. You'll be the first to <laughs> testify. But I find it like... I can't sleep with clothes on so we're on this flight and it was an international flight i'm trying desperately to like get a little bit of sleep and i just think to myself i know i can't go nudie full nudie duty on this one but like if i could just shed a few layers i think it'll help me sleep so i take off socks and bottoms underpants on Mm. top on bra obviously off (laughs) and i was in the seat next to the bathroom and it was pitch black and the shirt that I was wearing was long enough you know so I was more covered than I would have been in a bathing suit yes you know you weren't at a swimming pool I though you were on an airplane and I just thought if I just skedaddle into the potty <laughs> no one will see me be nudie <laughs> so I did now should we talk about tattoo man it was yet another brilliant example of how the Roys don't see most people as, as human beings. It was interesting. Any normal human would find that scene excruciating to watch when the formerly homeless man comes into the offices with his lawyer. Mm. She seemed very legit. How did he afford her? I don't know. I mean, I just get the sense people do things pro bono. Yeah, okay. Probably okay. pro bono. It almost also felt like they were related because they were both gingers. It was just an interesting we're choice. Not, we're not all related. I thought the, the the acting on the guy who played the homeless person was unbelievable. I know. He was he was heartbreaking. You were giggling through the awkwardness of the scene. It was an awkward giggle though. I don't know. I know it was I'm not accusing you of anything whereas I generally, you know, said with respect 
for the tattooed. Tattoos aren't my thing. I don't have any. You don't have any. I've never gone into a tattoo parlor. I never. I, I just find tattoos. They, they 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 basically just gross me out. So one on a forehead, when there's sort of like this level of emotional abuse going on or 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 exploitation, I fe- I, I felt quite nauseated through the whole scene. It added this other layer of heartbreak that this guy had gone out and got a jacket and a shirt to wear. But then the knowledge that that jacket to Roman wouldn't have even registered as a jacket. He might as well have been wearing a barrel or a sack to Roman. You know, they if we all talk about like why are, especially with Roman and Logan, I think, you know, oh, they are likable in these ways, da, 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 da. And when you see Roman treating another human like an animal, it is rough and important to watch. Yeah, it really is. And and then it struck me that that photo was bought for at least $1 million. So Roman opens yes, yes, Roman yes, opens yes. with a million. What had to even that, that guy... Even that lawyer, even if she was some rube... And she wasn't a rube, I no, thought, right? No, but even if she was, she would, right, have, right, would have held right. out for a bit more. But then, and then it felt so sad because this position that this guy was put in was like this guy meaning the, the homeless man. He has built himself back up. He doesn't just want money. He wants to be a reputable person. Yeah. He's this really decent dude. He wants dignity. He wants dignity and he has some now and he's fought for it. Hopefully he'll be fine for the rest of his life, but he gave a little piece of himself away. And you're simultaneously sat there going, do it, do it, do it, do it, take that money. But also how sad because of how hard you've seemingly fought. I feel that I could attach some very real numbers to my own dignity. What would rob you of your dignity? And what price would you pay for that? Is this someone calling to buy my dignity? Yes. I think this will be about 15 minutes. Okay. Back from your uh, important phone call, are you? I did have an important phone call. No, I know, call. I know. I did an important phone call. I put makeup on and my hair is half done. I know you want to spend a bit of time on this week's episode just in praise of Shiv's hair. Mmm. Shiv's hair is back in action. Did you notice that on Tom's desk we see a wedding photo? Yes. There are two wedding photos and I did think, oh shit, I did love her with her mermaid locks, but I also like her with her bob. So we see wedding photos in Tom's office. I noticed we also see a diploma Yes, on the where wall. was it from? I, t- I didn't catch a glimpse of that. I thought for a second I saw a letter C, like maybe for Cornell. He seems like he could have gone to Cornell. What does that mean to, to a British person? What does that signify? So Cornell is a very, very good school, but... Like Cornell is one of those universities that gets a lot of flack for having like you can go get in through the back door. So that's what I know about it. Shall we spend a bit of time on Terminal Tom? Terminal Tom. Did your heart break for him this week at all? Yes, it did. But I'm a bit confused. Last week, I felt sure that he was up to something and maybe he was in some way instrumental with the raid. We saw him go out and make that phone call to we're not sure who. And then this week, the the fear of going to prison suggested to me that he hasn't done anything to to guarantee his own immunity. But do you not feel that both things can coexist, that he could be making all these plays, but at the same time, none of them are guarantees, and so there is this looming possibility of prison? What Tom isn't right now is a man in denial. Mm. Tom is this man who's trying to stare down the barrel of the gun as a way to prepare for it. 
Has it done anything to your brain knowing that there are such things as prison blogs? So Tom has been reading the prison blogs, which is where he's found out about toilet wine. Oh, I, f- I couldn't. Toilet wine was another thing that made me feel a bit of a gag reflex. So you're not going to be delving into that world? If anything involves prison. The new Louis Theroux documentary, Shawshank Redemption, anything on the prison spectrum, I will not watch it. You did all right with Paddington too. Oh, yeah, but the, okay, that, but that's the limit <laughs> of what I can take prison-wise. I also thought that moment where we have the conversation in Greg's office between Greg and Tom, and what was the phrase he used? He said, should we game it? Should we game it? Tom is saying to Greg, you can ask for what you want, basically. And he realizes you've already gamed it. Yes, it's like the, sort of the apprentice has become the master moment, yes, isn't it? Yes, and we yeah. realize like... There has just been a status shift here. Mm. And as Tom points out, he might wind up in jail as Greg begins his ascent. To the magic castle. To the magic castle. And it hurt. Even even though he wanted to to fight him like a rooster. He said, fight me like a rooster, you weakling. I think it was him... You know, we we all have these ways that we relate to people and then we outgrow them and whatever. And I felt like they've always had this kind of disgusting and dysfunctional way of relating. And actually, Greg is starting to outgrow that. And it was Tom sort of trying to drag him back into their world of strangeness. And it's sad to him that Greg is is no longer malleable in that way. He's kind of through saying yes to weird shit. And that is very sad for Tom. And what do we think now that that Greg has signed to be represented by the Waystar lawyers and be part of that defence? What do you think will become of Pew, his lawyer, who it's uh, difficult to get hold of during the daytime hours? Oh, my God, what a line. Because they wouldn't have introduced that character for for no reason. No, because... Ewan has got an agenda. Ewan's coming back. Ewan's rage at Greg is going to play in all these things. So we'll be seeing Pew again. Mm. What a line. We want your thoughts please. There's lots of questions uh, arising from from this week's episode. Can I put my vote in for what matters the most to me? Mm -hmm. I really want to know whether Josh intended for them to get lost or if it was just a rich man who knows nothing about his own property. And also, did anybody else think the man who had previously been homeless but got his life back together, think that his teeth had come out of that relatively unscathed? You thought, you're, you're basically saying you thought his teeth were not realistic for a homeless person. Not like he was a BG or anything like that, but... <laughs> or Rylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it was difficult to tell his life story from his teeth. And <laughs> maybe maybe that was the first thing he fixed when he was pulling his life back together. Well, that was very that would be, have been very smart of him. As ever, we, we know that you will have noticed loads of stuff in the episode that, that we've missed out on. We want to know what you think. Can we explain the, 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 the inner workings of Friday Sprinkles, which is that we have to record it a day early. So if you guys listening, if you can be Beep Beep Roadrunner, what does Kendall say? Meep Meep Meep. Meet me. How do you not know what Roadrunner what, says? Well, I, I could remember. I couldn't remember what Kendall says. No, but you know what Roadrunner says. Listen. Beep beep. Meet meep. I said beep beep. No, meet meep. Meet meep. Yeah. Meet meep. If you guys could be meet meep <laughs> with your letters, <laughs> that would really help us out because we, we we would like an embarrassment of riches and we need to go hard on Wednesday with when we record. And coming up next, are you even ready for it? Are you ready for her insight, her charisma, and her power? Because it's Sindhu V. <laughs> 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We have a very exciting guest this week, Jeff. It's none other than my friend, the comedian and actor, Sindhu V. Sindhu, I am delighted that you took the time to join us. Thank you. Oh, my God. I mean, I love the show, like your show, whatever. I've never listened to this podcast. Listen, (laughs) this is because she's honest with us. You're always getting a straight answer from Sindhu, but you love Succession. I love Succession. And now this has given my you know, my succession obsession purpose. Yes, we're giving you a place to put it. Straight out the gate, have you ever gotten misty-eyed watching Succession? Oh, I've wept. When were you weeping? I was weeping the second time Logan punched Rome. Mm -hmm. It was in the second series. Mm -hmm. And he gets angry at him and he hits him in the face and, and and he falls back. And I wept because I understand very much the place of extreme negative emotion and physicality in a in a space of excruciating love and what that does to a child. She goes so deep so fast. This is this is sort of this question that I had as well, which is like, so your your family, which I heard you speak about on stage and in your stand-up a lot. Obviously it's not the Roy's. You're saying Sindhu didn't didn't grow up in a billionaire media mogul family. Sindhu V did not grow up in a media mogul family. However, a point that I think you touch on always affectionately but distinctly is a sort of toughness that your mother brought to you and that that you sort of in a very humorous comedic way bring to your children. And I want to know what your parents would make of Logan's parenting. My mother would be like, yeah, makes sense. (laughs) My mother grew up in a very patriarchal feudal family. So she understood that. And she also understood that the beginning and the end is the patriarch of the family, or in some cases, the matriarch, but the beginning and the end, they will save you, but you need to fully accept their way. So the idea that Logan will manipulate his children to further their good in a way, because the company is their good. I don't find that so complicated. 
Here's my question then. Jeff and I were talking the other day about how sort of bizarrely likable we find Logan. We just love him, even though to some extent he's this sociopath. What is your emotional response to him? A couple of things. One is I understand, I have a lot of respect for how hard Logan has worked to get where he got. And you can't be a nice guy to get there or a nice gal. I get that. Is it impossible to build an organization from the ground up? And be a nice guy because we occasionally no, see people no, for whom no. that is part of their their brand. Are you saying that those people, those chief executives, are lying? Yeah, yeah. all of them, one hundred percent. If you're going to build a highly profitable uh, company in any fucking area, and then you're going to tell me you're a nice guy or you spent time really looking into your children's eyes, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> time for that shit if you had to say like or dislike which side do you fall on like or dislike logan yeah i respect him okay i don't like or dislike him i feel more for kendall and to some extent for shiv not a whole lot going on for me there but and rome because he's there they are at some level the victims of very loving emotional abuse from him and very cold emotional abuse from caroline their actual mom Mm whose entire life is about her divorce. How pathetic. So what happens is when I see Logan, I respect him for how how far he's come and what a great big deal company. But then I know that this guy will burn everything down, but not give up power and he will destroy his children. And that to me is very painful because I see it from the children's point of view. That's painful. We're, um, we, 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 uh, we only have the one child. You've got a, a whole bunch of them. Mm. Often when I'm watching Succession, I try and figure out, does Logan have a favourite? Sarah doesn't believe that it's possible for a parent not to have a favourite yeah, child. Yeah, everyone has a favourite is my, is my theory. I, I don't have a favourite, but I'll tell you, Logan favours the child that will, in that moment, get his agenda ahead. Mm. Why don't I have a favourite child? My mother did. Were you it? Not for a very long time. And then later... Um, she didn't make a secret about it. <laughs> Wait, what, what would wow. your mom say? She would say things to me when I was little, like, um, your sis- you, know, you know, your sister and I are so connected. Oh, my uh, God. Not, not like you and me. And I was like six. I was like, what does that mean? But it's so funny because um, when she had had her stroke and she was very sick, she said, you know, your sister's always been my favorite one. I said, I know. And she said, but you've always been the one I could rely on because oh. you're the one who's like me. And she said, so therefore, I want to make sure you do this, 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 this. <laughs> why, why do you think your parents prefer your brother? It's interesting. It's almost sort of the reverse of what Sindhu's saying. No, maybe it, it is what you're saying. It's like, I'm, you know, you mentioned that you're more like your mother. Like, I think Gosh. I am just much more like both of my parents. I'm sort of the more obvious person that they would produce. And then my younger brother is just this sort of relaxed, golden boy. Hey, man, how you do? Whereas I'm the sort of more neurotic mess. And it's, it's like they can't believe they made this perfect angel boy. And he's the one. And my, my mother, both my parents describe me as prickly. Yeah, but that's what parents do, right? They say, oh, this kid's super easy and always laughing and that one's prickly. So maybe, this- I don't know. I'm not even sure your parents have a favorite. Oh, I don't, oh, Cindy, I don't even know them. Cindy, first of all, you'd love them. They'd love you. It would be a real match made in heaven, but they 100% do. Is there one of your three children that you think 
has the eye of the tiger more than the others. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Okay. This kid's a deal maker. Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, my um, God. They're a killer. Well, I think they could develop into one. It really depends what messaging they get from us. And because my husband is Danish, there's no messaging about being a killer. It's all about <laughs> be nice and everyone's equal and all that jazz. Oh, my gosh. Um, But I think this kid has the capacity to be stone cold in a deal situation and not worry that it's going to hurt someone because it was just a deal. Another question for you, bringing it back to success own. I feel, I have this theory, which is that I feel that a lot of people want to see more of the Roman and Jerry dynamic. And my theory is that almost everyone who is super invested in the sexual undercurrent of that relationship is a lady of a certain age. How excited are you by that sexual dynamic? First of all, is it a sexual undercurrent? It's, de- it's definitely an overspurt for him, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I see it. I see a couple of things. Roman is by far the one that I am most, I'm most fond of. You know, the jokes and the crazy, he, he will call a spade a spade, but he's, he's like, he thinks he wants it, but he's not sure. He's the youngest. So, you know, he'll say it like it is more than anyone else, but he won't really ever say he's scared. Mm. Because when you're little, if you say it, you're dead. In any situation as the youngest sibling, if you let it show that this is going to hurt, then you get bullied more. But if you end up being like, you could do what you like to me, but it's not going to hurt me and make a joke, that kind of is, it's a defense. It's a, what we call kavach, which is armor. It's your own armor. So I have a lot of time for Roman, A. B, Roman uh, and Jerry, women of a certain age. I mean, Jerry being sexualized is great. I think for me, the reason it doesn't uh, stick is because I'm not someone who's ever fallen for boys. I always fall for men. And they're always a, either a little bit older, or they're definitely someone I feel is far more accomplished than me. So is there anybody, yeah. is there anybody in succession that you have a little crush on? Because for Sarah, it's Colin, Logan's security guard, oh. just because of how capable, how capable he is. I think Senator Evis could be really, really dirty. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Perfect. We we haven't yeah, had yeah. a, a girl That's yet, have brilliant. we? Well, because because the thing is, with him, I can discuss Machiavelli, I can discuss politics, I can discuss economics, and you know that people that are so holier than thou, they are so awful, you know, behind closed doors. You think, what could we do? Totally. <laughs> so you, as we know, you come from this world of investment banking pre stand up. And I was wondering if those kinds of environments are sort of immune to the nepotism that we get to see at Waystar Royco. Yeah, there's very little nepotism on on investment banking because there there used to be that you could get your kid an internship. But now HR is very, very, you know, everything is under a lot of scrutiny. But there's very little nepotism because remember, Waystar is a family company. Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Deutsche Bank, HSBC, UBS, they're not family companies. Right. It's just, you know? it's just occurred to me that because of your, your professional background, you might be one of the few people who watch that program who actually understand what a proxy battle is. Do you, yeah, do you hear that phrase and you think, oh, yeah, I know what a proxy battle is? Yeah. What is a proxy battle? It's, well, it's a complicated thing to explain, but it's about shareholders and the way they exercise their shareholding 
basically, every time you hear proxy battle, just think the shareholders, if they get pissed off. Okay. That, that's, that's, it's the shareholders getting pissed off is what's at the root of a proxy, proxy battle. This is proxy, it's very yeah. helpful. I mean, this is not at all accurate. And anyone else who's hearing this would be like, what is she saying? But we just want to, you know, just make it work. That's the thing. I'm always like from here, what's the shortest point from A to B? Sindhu, have you ever, um, because you've been on like boards before, I'm assuming. Have you ever? No, I've never been on a board. board. You've never had to do like a no confidence vote. No, I did one once in school to topple the class president. And in in your life of banking, like having glimpsed into worlds of super rich, have you ever been on a private jet? Yes. And? I was so scared because I'm so scared of these fucking planes. I think they're going to like crash. I hated every single minute of it. Can you see why they get? Because I was saying Sarah... I, I can't see how it's that much greater than the nice end of an aeroplane. Why, why do well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's not the plane. I'm going to cut you right there off, Jeff, and tell you why it's great. It's because there's no fucking Heathrow. There's no airport. You go in your car, it oh. drives up to the staircase, and you go in. And when you get out, you get out into your car. That is the part oh, of that experience I, would, I love. <laughs> the being on the plane, praying to God that you don't die is not great. <laughs> but I was... The, just driving up to those stairs is great. And do you think that's what be, is behind the cognitive dissonance of, of people who don't care about the carbon emissions of these things? The the convenience of not having to go through security at an airport? I think, and I may be wrong, but my impression from having watched this stuff is that I think people who become, who are used to being in a private jet, think that's the way to do it. It's no longer possible for them to drop down to first class commercial. <laughs> There's all kinds of rationalizations that go on. And the one that I, the, the way I like, if I ever had PJs, the way I would think about it is, this is what I want to fucking do. I can afford a private jet. I have this one life. Of course, as a Hindu, I'll come back, but I don't know if it's going to be to this kind of life. I'm fucking taking the private jet. What are you going to do? And that's what Logan says to Rhea. You knew who I was when you got into this. That is my mantra in life. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. But first I make it okay with myself and then I put it out there. That's why when I said I respect Logan, because that's what I respect. Everyone else on that show is pretending. But Roman doesn't pretend. Logan doesn't pretend. Kendall is now, he's in a position of power, but I don't know if he'll be able to hold it because Kendall needs love. Kendall I know, needs love. I know. Kendall needs love and Kendall has done drugs and his girlfriend is a recovering or maybe not so recovering addict. It is a terrible combination. Ugh. Terrible. So there's that. And so Roman and Logan don't bullshit. And that's why I think the two of them are the most appealing to me. And so I think if I had a PJ, I'd be like, I'm fucking taking it. And Sarah, you want to come? Uh, yeah, 100%, <laughs> like, especially because you call go. it a PJ. I'm going on a PJ with Sindhu. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. All right, then, Sindhu. Um, we, we, um, we, we'll, we will give you the honor of uh, a board seat or a significant shareholding in this proxy battle, which I you understand far more than, than, than we do. Who, who would you like to see installed as CEO of Waystar Royco? Roman. <gasps> so you would keep it in the family? Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh. Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because Frank has too much of a conscience. Carl is a walking beggar. Oh. So whoever holds out the money, he'll, he'll go there. Walking beggar. Forget him. Okay? Um, and Jerry 
she's always been led, so she's a great soldier. You see, soldiers are not generals. So Jerry, Frank, and um, Carl are out. In the family, it's got to be Roman because Roman will look you in the eye when he kills you and know that it hurts, but it's still got to be done. Kendall can't do that. And Shiv will get someone else to do it because <gasps> she doesn't have the guts. No one else has said Roman so far, and I've never thought it myself, but I just felt convinced. We've had some expert analysis here, I think. It's very strong. This <laughs> is so enjoyable. Um, I love so it. I, w- I want so Cindy's insight into everything. I know. I feel like we should have her. <laughs> we should just have her around one night for dinner and then call her the next day and tell, she could tell us how to fix all the problems in our marriage. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say anything about that. Cindy V, we are grateful to you for your time and your expertise and your succession obsession. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we go, shall we rattle through your favorite lines from this week's episode? I'm just going to go. Goons and stooges and rough jacks. Sturdy birdie. Knuckle up, big bird. Little Lord Fuckleroy. Sergeant Pepper of Broken Corporate America. Did the Fen find your nipple clamps, Carl? Fuck you and God bless. Westchester judge fuckers. Everything's coming up fuck. Ironic bar crawl thing. Wocahontas. Strong for a man. Which is, of course, how Greg describes the rum that he's drinking. I don't know how you did it back in the 60s. Different times. Different times indeed. Better times? Not for all. (laughs) Rabbit camp for the kids. Kosher vending machines and sturdy bunks used to describe the Jewish prison. Beep Beep from Roadrunner, The Shame Sponge, Sucking Off Ogres for Phone Cards, I'll Castrate You and Marry You in a Heartbeat, Let's Fight Like Chickens, Minion Wrangler and Shit Eater, That Stuff, Sea Mist, Vapor, Your Anti-Semitic Bagel and Gold Bullshit, Dad's Gonna Give Me a Bedtime Bath, Like Just the Tip, But for Like Killing Dad, A Timely Fucking Avion, Good Day. All in one show. In All in one, one episode of show. one show. So, email us. Fuck off! At firecrotchandnormcore.com. And next week, I'm guessing, will be the shareholder meeting, because if in this episode we were four days away from it... Oh, my God. So it's going to be a big one. What a glorious thing to have to look forward to in our lives, this fictional invention of this wonderful man, Jesse Armstrong. All right, we'll be back for Sprinkles on Friday. You said that with a little shimmy. I was trying to throw a bit of energy at you so you gave something back to end on because I feel like you you always give a bit more just as the music's fading in. Oh, well, I can't wait to get sprinkly. (laughs) (laughs) That was disgusting. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.